You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. You caught me in a cannon I was just oiling my beard. Hey, everybody. It's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 135. It's uh, We're towards the end of October now, 2017. I'm Ethan. I'm Liam. <laughs> Welcome in. Uh, we have a lot to get to this week. It's a TLC recap show. We're on the road to Survivor Series. We're on the road to the War Games of 2017. So much to get into. Start with TLC. Liam, what did you think of TLC? Big picture thoughts. We don't need to go match by match. Uh, particularly because a lot of the results of that show were rendered uh, unimportant after Raw and SmackDown this week. But what did you think of TLC? I thought it was an enjoyable show. Like, There's not a ton I think I would go back and watch a second time. But just as a show, I don't think it dragged the way a lot of have um certainly main event didn't need to go as long as it did but uh i thought i thought there was significantly more good than bad on the show what oscar's debut was one of the more pushed things in the build to this show and oscar debuted at the pay-per-view and then they pretty much did the same exact match on raw the next night what did you think of oscar's debut and how it was handled yeah so i understand why people would be upset because they've uh, seeing her pushed as this big uh, kind of indestructible character. So I can understand you maybe wanting to see her squash somebody, especially uh, because Emma has been treated mostly as a joke on the, on the main roster. I can understand uh, people being upset, but it's pretty much what they do. Um, it's what they've done with Nakamura. It's what they did with Bobby Roode. Um, I mean, it's a little better than what they did with Bobby Roode because Bobby Roode lost to Dolph Ziggler. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of, if, unless your name is Brock Lesnar, you're going to wrestle the same type of match as uh, as everybody else. So I can understand being upset about it, but I can't say I was surprised, if that makes sense. Sure. And Alexa beat Mickey on the show, so they at least did have the foresight promo after to try. Okay, what do you think of Mickey and Alexa? I thought it was uh, very good. I thought it was a really good wrestling match. Um, probably Mickey's best showing since she's been back in the WWE and uh, and one of Alexa's better singles showings um, ever. Uh, don't like the way they did, did this match just because they did the feud, which they seem to do a lot with Alexa, which is have her call her opponent a loser and in this case mickey was like a geriatric loser and then alexa just beats her clean with her ddt um so i don't really like i don't really like when they do that to 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 baby faces i know we talk a lot that alexa is practically a baby face herself these days because she so rarely loses um and uh, pretty much always wins clean. So I guess we're we're still in that mode of they don't really care uh, 
about doing traditional baby faces and heels. But with a character like Mickey James, kind of seems like uh, you're building her up as a legend and a pioneer that you want her to be a more a traditional baby face if you're going to put her in that role. And instead, you're just kind of just kind of had her just kind of had her lose like anybody else. I just I wouldn't have done the finish that way if I was interested in ever having Mickey James be like a star on my show. Well, the perhaps the 2017 Wrestling Observer Booker of the Year will be Viral Meningitis slash The Mumps. <laughs> as uh, Roman Reigns was pulled from this show, Bray Wyatt was pulled from this show. Uh, Finn Balor ended up wrestling AJ Styles, and they had uh, a good match, I guess considering AJ flew in from South America and may have been working uh, with remnants of the flu. I don't know. I was a, a slightly underwhelmed. Like, I'd still go m- probably four stars for the match, but, you know, when you're expecting an all-time classic and you only get, you know, probably the best match on the show, what did you think of AJ and Finn? Yeah, that about covers it. I, I liked what they did a lot. Um, and as you said, the circumstances being what they were, it's it's probably better than we had any right to expect. But, uh, yeah, it was it was very good. It was very good. Enjoyed it a lot. Not really any bad stuff to say about it. Obviously, they didn't do a lot of... They didn't do... They didn't really attempt to have the, the five-star or, I guess, six-and-a-quarter-star classic here. Um, didn't kick out of any finishers, really. Um, I guess AJ kind of hit a forearm, but he didn't hit, like, the full extended leaping forearm that he normally hits. So, uh, yeah, so it definitely felt like they held back a little bit, but... I uh, I enjoyed the match quite a bit, and uh, uh, considering what the alternative was, which was uh, the the Demon King versus Sister Abigail Spooktacular, I uh, I think we kind of lucked out just getting like a really good wrestling match. And Kurt Angle ended up subbing for Roman Reigns in the main event of this show. Kurt apparently got medically cleared on Friday. I believe it was uh, SE Scoops who was reporting that it was Vince McMahon's call to try to get Kurt cleared and to put Kurt in the match. And there was the reaction to this match has been very polarizing, at least from what I've seen. A lot of people hated the main event of TLC. I don't really know if it was a good wrestling match or not, but I just know I had more fun watching that than anything in wrestling in a long time. What did you think of the main event? Uh, like I, like I said at the top of the show, or maybe I didn't because it got cut out due to audio issues. Didn't need to go that long. Uh, probably could have been cut cut that time in half, and it would have been just as good. Um, but it was crazy. It was a it was a spectacle. Um, and you had a lot. You had a lot going on. There were there were eight guys involved. Um, you had Kurt's first WWE match in, in over a decade. It's just so much going on. Um, but I thought, yes, I, I would agree that it was fun. I would agree that it's it's certainly memorable. Um, they did a lot of weird stuff. Uh, the garbage truck murder of Braun Strowman was just so, so random. Um, but it's, that, again, sort of that kind of pro wrestling random dumb that I think it worked. Um, like, I don't know why Miz had a garbage truck waiting there, but 
I don't know. Yeah, like you said, uh, or as you may have been cut out due to audio issues, but uh, there were eight guys, tables, ladders, chairs, and a garbage truck. A lot going on here. Completely illogical, completely random and crazy and weird, and didn't make any bit of logical sense, and I was totally fine with that. Now, the issue with that is then when it comes to Monday Night Raw the next night and you have to try to make logical sense out of what out of all the craziness you threw uh, at the wall the night before and you end up with saying things like Braun Strowman may be out of action for a few weeks or months or indefinitely after being crushed in the trash compactor. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you end up having to try to make sense of all this stuff that doesn't make any sense. But Raw on a whole... This show was an abomination. Uh, they tried an invasion angle from SmackDown, as I guess they're going brand warfare. They're going uh, Raw versus SmackDown real heavy for Survivor Series. And so, like, the main event angle, I don't know. I don't know if it had any heat or not because they did m- most of the stuff backstage, so it wasn't really obvious to me what, what the crowd's reaction to it was. But... um yeah, it's like the results of TLC were largely rendered useless by what they did on Raw. Uh, should we talk about the elephant in the room here? About how the Demon Kane squashed the Demon King on Raw? Yeah, I guess we better get started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord. Like, I was terrified that they were going to have Kane beat Finn. And not only did they do that, he pretty much just squashed him. Should I be surprised that we need to keep 50-year-old Kane strong? Uh, no, and I think you can see the logic in their, in their minds, which is that they, uh, they're going to build up Kane for Big Braun, and they needed, so they needed a credible guy for Kane to beat. And there are no credible guys on Raw except for like two or three guys. And they're not going to feed Roman to Kane, and they're and I mean they're not going to feed. Uh, I guess for whatever reason, no. What I would normally expect, and in fact, what they did just a few weeks ago with Braun, is I would expect normally in this situation for one or both of the tag team champions to be the ones fed to Kane, but uh, they threw us a curveball and instead. Uh, put the guy who's probably wrestling Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble in Kane's Warpath and had him be the one who got... It wasn't even a competitive match. He just got squashed. Um, so, yeah, that, that happened. So, um, so the, stupid, the stupid logic here is we got to keep Kane strong for Braun to beat him. Is Braun wrestling Brock? No, Braun already lost to Brock. So unless we're going back to Braun and Brock at the Royal Rumble, which if that's what you're doing, fine. But then if Balor is still getting that match at Royal Rumble, it's even stupider. Like, who? why are we keeping Braun strong, strong if Braun's off TV and he's already wrestled Brock and he lost? I... <laughs> These questions almost become rhetorical because there's no, <laughs> there's no real correct or or there's no answer that really makes sense um, beyond that very short-sighted nature of they're doing a program right now. They've decided to do Braun and Kane as a program, 
And because of that fact, well, Braun, you know, Braun's opponents need need heat behind them. And, uh, well, who could Kane beat? And the list of guys with any sort of credibility um, are pretty short. Now, I would have probably fed it if, like, if we accept that this is the worst, darkest timeline and we must push Kane. Uh, like, I don't know, feed him, feed him like Matt Hardy, maybe? Or That's like, the guy. Yeah, Matt Hardy's the guy. Jason Jordan. Like, sure. Uh, Heath Slater and or Rhino. Um, like, <laughs> are, they, are they on Raw? Yeah. I didn't know Pretty that. Sure. Pretty sure. <laughs> um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Feed, yeah, feed them literally anybody except like Finn Balor and the tag champions. Those are like the only people I would say don't feed him. But I bet you he'll probably either beat Dean or Seth next week. I like I wouldn't be at all surprised by that. Um I it's it's dumb, man. It's dumb, especially if if yeah, if Finn's gonna be built up for Brock Lesnar. Um another reason that I'd like to there's a couple things that I want to jump off of. One is that people have said, well, they're establishing that, you know, as long when Finn wears the paint, as long as they keep Finn protected when he's wearing the paint, it's okay to beat him as just the guy. First of all, that's dumb. Second of all, they just did a match last month where the whole gimmick was Bray goaded Finn into a match where he wouldn't wear the paint, and Finn beat Bray in order to prove that, in fact, he was just as tough without his paint. Do you remember that? Now that you mention it, yes. Right, and it was actually it was like the best Bray White match in three years. But um, so <laughs> they just did this bit where they were, where the whole point of the match was to prove that Finn is just as tough, or almost you know that that the that the face paint is more of a you know it's war paint puts it on for big matches, but he's he's a tough tough guy whether he's wearing the paint or not. So I don't like that. Now, the other thing, and this is not, this is a very minority opinion, but I saw it and it pissed me off. Um, someone said Finn should have said no. Finn should have said he's not doing the job <laughs> for Kane. <laughs> so there's two people we have on record in the last year as saying no to stuff on Raw. Those two people are Neville and Austin Aries. Those two people don't work there anymore. Uh, another person who we, we know from various sources, and I believe Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho have said it on Jericho's podcast, Sami Zayn, big fan of questioning booking decisions, big fan of pleading his case to the writers and to the upper echelon of WWE if he doesn't like what they're doing with him. They buried Sami Zayn for a year. Uh, Nobody says no in that company. Charlotte didn't say no when they made her do a storyline where they brought up Reed Flair. Randy Orton didn't say no when they said, hey, Randy, we're going to have Brock Lesnar elbow you in the forehead as hard as he can. Nobody says no in this company. So the idea that you would expect Finn or anybody else to ever go, you know what, you know, that's like, you know, back in the Attitude Era, the top guys just wouldn't put up with this. It's like, it's not, they don't want people to challenge them anymore that wouldn't it won't work so my point is if you want to say no to them or question them you're going to be de-pushed or you better be prepared to quit i don't think finn 
A, wants to lose out on a match with Brock Lesnar, or B, I don't think Finn wants to quit and go work for Ring of Honor. So that was, that was a long rant, but I saw that. And again, I know most people don't think or don't expect Finn or anybody else to say no to stuff like that. But that, that was just such a dumb take that I felt I had to, <laughs> I had to bring it up. Nobody says no unless they're willing to quit, right? Like, am I, am I off at all here? I think maybe John Cena could get away with saying no. I think Roman Reigns could get away with saying no. I think Brock Lesnar can get away with saying no. Those are probably the three highest paid guys in the company. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of other guys saying no right now. It's just, I don't know, man. It's, look, and don't get me wrong. So my point is don't, don't try to put any of the heat on Finn for not saying no. Put the heat on the crazy old man who decided, well, we got to heat up Kane here in 2017, so we got to feed Finn to him. Like that because- was his thought process. That was only the only be- solution. Only because Slaughter and Patterson can't go on. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so he's got he's got to go back to 1997 instead of 1977. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> jeez. Uh, it's atrocious. Uh, while we're talking about stuff, still kind of uh, raw pay per view, all that kind of stuff, and you mentioned mentioned uh, the tag champs. I'm fine with Seth Rollins as a top guy. But I think Seth Rollins' calling in the wrestling business is to be like hot working babyface in a tag team. That guy's so great in that in that spot. He really is. Um, he's some like he's so great at everything involved in tag team wrestling. He's great at selling. He's great at helping whoever he's going to tag Dean or whoever to build to the babyface comeback. Or he's good at making the comebacks himself because he has such sort of high flying, intense offense. So he really is he really is built, I think, more for, for tag matches than, than almost anything else. That's a that's a really solid point. And what do you think of this brand warfare survivor series direction that they're going? They kind of have been I mean, they did it last year. It I don't know, had questionable results for me. Uh I just don't buy the blood feud between the two brands, and so it's hard for me to get into it. But I don't know, maybe Joe Average Wrestling fan is really digging it. Uh, what do you think of the brand warfare direction? I mean, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't do much for me to push it as a as a rival promotion. Um and I don't know, maybe people wouldn't even accept it if they did try to do that. But I mean we had a SmackDown guy team up with two raw guys at the start of Raw. Um and then in the main event he was fighting Raw and then AJ came back and was fighting Raw guys at the end of the show. It was hilarious because they, they kept showing commercials for Survivor Series and they were announcing well, one time a year Raw guys versus SmackDown guys and on that very pay-per-view you had AJ wrestling Finn. And of course it was extreme circumstances but it was still funny. Um, so yeah, maybe if it was treated a little more seriously or as uh, we sort of bandied about on Twitter and I actually had a, a pull up on our Twitter you can hit the TWL underscore podcast and, uh, and vote in it if you're interested. But uh Maybe just put something beyond that vague uh, bragging rights title on the line. Like, um, and you, I think you have a pretty good defense for this, and we can kind of go back and forth. But just my basic idea is, like, just put, like, one thing on the line in each of these four uh, champion versus champion matches they're going to do. Like, uh, say, the tag title match, the winning brand gets number 30 in the Royal Rumble. 
And in the women's match, the winning brand gets uh, an extra person in the Royal Rumble. Like they get uh, one more person than Raw does or, you know, if SmackDown wins or vice versa. And in the world title match, maybe the winner of that, you know, the winning brand on that one gets a, a draft pick from the other show. And, you know, it's just like stuff like that, right? That, that would make sense, correct? But I think you have a, a reason why that won't happen. Yeah, and I was thinking about this even as I was watching the, some of the shows this week and trying to think about why is there no heat with this? And it's like, well, there's, as you point out, there's nothing on the line. And it's like, well, what can you put on the line? And my thought were exactly the same. Uh, number 30 in the Royal Rumble and the actual main event slot at WrestleMania. And it's a way to kind of keep Survivor Series special and make this a focal point of storytelling year round, or at least in the stretch from October to April, make it mean something. But I think the the reason that doesn't work is that that works if you think of wrestling as a simulated sport. And it's like, oh, this is a fight. These people are fighting over things, as Regal Regal says, <laughs> they're trying to they're trying to win the match. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and you have to have some court, some sort of uh, working knowledge of sports, mm-hmm. <laughs> where there are like <laughs> your dogs. I'm sorry, I'm being, over a, you. I'm being I'm being attacked by a young hear, lady. I can, young lady, I can young hear. Lady. Whoa, I can hear a dog climbing all over you. Uh, but like, <laughs> okay, let's go outside, baby. <laughs> okay, let's go outside. Okay. This this is like the eighth straight week with a run-in by one of our dogs. Um, <laughs> that's our new that's our new intern, Bailey. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like I said, you know, it, or or it requires some like working knowledge of sports where like pl- there are playoffs and there are there are trophies and things to win. And and Vince McMahon does not think of wrestling as simulated sports. And he does not. He does not uh, have a working knowledge of sports. His famous, his favorite uh, football players ever were the Big Cat Ernie Ladd, right? And, and Wahoo, Wahoo McDaniel. McDaniel, yeah, because because they were wrestlers who played football. Like he had, right. he ran a football league, and he has no working knowledge of sports. So, right. <laughs> uh, although I heard on the Pritchard show one time that he was a Washington Redskins fan, which makes less than zero sense to me. I just can't. <laughs> I, I don't imagine Vince McMahon having the attention span to sit down and watch a whole football game. <laughs> but anyway. Um, uh, well, yes. yeah, my, my, I mean, my, my only rebuttal to that, and I think you're 100% on, is just like, doesn't like one of the 30 writers or so that they have, like somebody in that company watches sports, right? Like somebody has to like be able to think, hey, maybe we should put something on the line for these Raw versus SmackDown matches. Or maybe, in, maybe. Do you think in Vince's head, and I know it's very dangerous to try to psychoanalyze Vince McMahon, but like, do you think in his head he sees this like it's Raw versus Nitro? Like, do you think he see, like he would he thinks the fans will see this as this giant rival promotion battle, and that it's just enough to have them on the same show? I'm I'm not sure, but to, to the point of there are 30 people there, and surely some, one of them has watched sports. Well, I'm sure one of those 30 writers also knew that it was a really bad idea to have Kane squash Finn Balor and to have Asuka do a 10-minute match where she did a lot of selling in her debut. And, and yet, look at the finished product. It's like, it doesn't matter yeah. if any of those 30 people 
think think it's a, be- a good idea to put something on the line. It doesn't if it doesn't click with the the crazy old man, then it doesn't click. Yeah, no, you, no, you're absolutely right. I think your your analogy basically saying it's about <laughs> it would require you thinking of wrestling as a sport, like uh, you know. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure you and I sit completely independently of each other. We're sitting there and came up with basically some version of the same idea so like you would hope that people that are in working in the wrestling business would have come up with with that idea also (laughs) one would hope (laughs) all right well it's time for a new segment this week and with any luck it'll be recurring it's yeah i've uh, planned out a new segment this week and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna need you to get a stopwatch ready and uh, or a Uh, countdown clock or or something like that but uh, with any luck this will be a recurring segment and uh, I've got some production ready for this, and I've got the whole bit. I've really gone all out in uh, in trying to uh, trying to make this a really special segment every week. So, ladies and gentlemen, hit it. And now it's boss time. Uh. Oh yeah, it's boss time. All right, so we're gonna, we're going to talk about uh, the week in Sasha Banks. So she worked the kickoff match with Alicia Fox on Sunday, and it was a pretty decent little back and forth there. She threw one of the great uh, kind of low drop kicks I've seen in a while. Uh, what? I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't. I, I didn't see the match. I'm the, sorry. Uh, right, and she uh, she had some uh, pink and black gear on. It was a tribute to Owen Hart. At King of the Ring 1994, her hu- her husband, the Seamsters, made it for, and uh, that was cool. And then she spent the the duration of the TLC card, uh, in my view, subtweeting Alexa Bliss, calling her a, uh, a f- oh, no, no. calling her fake, and calling her out for having muffin top and for wrestling in a t shirt. Whoa! So that was a little bit catty, particularly given Alexa's well documented uh, body image issues. So body shaming. What? You know, I'm. Yeah, I don't know. We're just gonna say it was in character, so we can give my, give my uh, give my buddy a pass. But um, uh, so that was uh, that was the TLC show, and then on Raw on Monday, Sasha. I'm sorry, we're Bayley, out of time. We're out of time. That's that's all I can allow, uh, and oh. I think legally that's probably all you should say. That was boss time. All right. Well, that was that was the new segment. What did you think of the new segment? It was a uh, it was a happening, <laughs> as Gorilla Monsoon might say. Um, Gorilla Monsoon, what a name! On, on, on the out, on the outro of that, uh, Alicia Alicia Fox is the captain of of Team Raw of the of the ladies Team Raw. She will be leading Sasha and Bailey, not my dog Bailey, but another Bailey, and uh, presumably, probably like Emma and Oscar as well, um, against the the SmackDown crew. Uh, so yeah, just just <laughs> Alicia Fox, who I, I think has been employed since the Hoover administration. That's I think about she, right. I think she's been employed longer than Pat Patterson, and. Uh, <laughs> She's she's getting the rub. We're getting we're getting Kane and Alicia Fox. are getting the big pushes this week, Ethan. 
I will say Alicia's doing very well with her character. Like, I think it's dumb to push Alicia Fox into 2017, but playing the she's really convincing at playing a crazy person who doesn't know the rules of wrestling. I I'm a little fascinated because my impression is this this latest resurgence was somewhat based on I believe she did Lillian Garcia's podcast and was sort of lamenting over how her career hasn't gone how she would like it to go. And huh. I know, I know. There's a thing where she didn't. She never had merch before, and I believe they just gave her a T-shirt, um, and that kind of stuff. So I'm fascinated by that in the sense that usually when you complain about your spot, even in a somewhat joking manner, like Zack Ryder or Emma did, uh, it doesn't end well for you on television. But Alicia seems to, at least so far, be kind of being rewarded. She has a more regular spot on television than she has in. Like at least a year, maybe longer. Yeah, yeah, and that is interesting. That is some interesting psychology there. To hey, and she's got the best Northern Light suplex in the history of the business. <laughs> well, there you go. That's that's a heck of a silver lining here at the outro of Boss Time. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I'm going to Raw next week. Are you going to Raw? I'm not. Um, all right. I, I will be going to uh, NXT is coming our way again in December. So right. uh, hopefully we'll be seeing, you know, at Adam Cole and uh, some of those other Bobby Fish, Kyler, you know, all the guys that we used to see at ROH TV tapings five years ago. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to see them in a, a tiny college community college basketball arena in uh, Bel Air, Maryland in a few weeks. It'll be cool. Yeah, that's good times. So next week on next week's show we'll have the uh, the live perspective from Raw. We'll have a television perspective from Raw. Presuming you make it through the show <laughs> without rage shutting your television off, and uh, and we'll have and we'll have some more boss time. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see. Big big show next week. All right, that's all I got. You got anything else? Oh, we gotta go, man. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Ethan. Liam. <laughs> And we'll be back next week with more stories from the wrestling life. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the elite podcast network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys.
the record button. All right. Lots to do and uh, so little time. Which of your stories are on tonight? Uh, Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. And what is Legends of Tomorrow? So that's a time travel show that I features see. like the at- the Atom and Vixen's like C tier DC characters, but I see. Um, but it's which... fun. It's a it's a wacky show. Which do you prefer? Uh, those two, Legends of Tomorrow, because uh, that one's embraces the. There's a little less. Uh, it's a little less CW than. Uh, <laughs> I see. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, Flash is very relationship focused, and Arrow is too, to an extent. So this one's more just just a big old group of people, and they go through time. Like last week, they they went to the circus in like 1912. So you have like, and uh, Billy Zane played like, uh, what's his name, Barnum, and uh, Barnum. did a Titanic joke. Yeah, they did. Uh, they did Titanic jokes because Victor Garber, who was the captain on the Titanic in the movie, uh, plays one half of Firestorm on the show. So uh, they did Titanic jokes, which were funny. And uh, it's it's just it's just a wacky show. It's a lot of fun. It doesn't take itself seriously. Which I mean, with the premise, really, none of these shows should ever take themselves too seriously. But uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Enjoyed it. Hey, right, good times. I try to keep on keeping on